Must be NFC East week here on the podcast. Cooper Rush is going to start another game for the Dallas Cowboys. So let's get to the bottom of how they've started the year 3-1 and and how sustainable this all is. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Wednesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back once again with you here on the show. Got a couple of housekeeping things to take care of before we get into the Dallas Cowboys. Their 3-1 start. We're going to catch up with Keith Sanchez who did the deep dive on this. And we'll get to the bottom of how this 3-1 start has been put together for the Dallas Cowboys. You guys know the drill. The show brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online Football Back. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your football betting needs this season. And over at Bet Online AG, you're going to find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It is always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events: Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to BetOnline.ag today to join. And receive your 100%. Yes, that is a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And the second piece of housekeeping news that I have for you guys is this Friday, 6 to 9 p.m. World of Beer, Tuscaloosa, myself, the Draft Dudes. We're doing Draft Dudes live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama at the World of Beer 4 the Alabama and Texas A&M game. So if you happen to be in Alabama, if you happen to be going to the game, stop on by World of Beer, say hello to the Draft Dudes, say hello to myself, join us. We're going to do a live edition of the show for three hours, previewing the game, talking college football, having some fun, uh, and really enjoying ourselves down there in Tuscaloosa on Friday night. Okay, that's it. Housekeeping things out of the way. We can focus on the meat and potatoes of today's show, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. I said it in the teaser at the top of the show. It feels like it's NFC East week on the show. We talk Talked about them as the focus of the Monday show and what we learned yesterday that Cooper Rush is going to be the starting quarterback for this team for one more week, delaying the return of Dak Prescott to the lineup. And I found myself wondering, okay, how has this Dallas Cowboys team gotten to a three and one start? Are they doing anything differently? Is this a different team with Dak Prescott out of the lineup? Is there a coaching thing that's different? Are they utilizing players differently? What are they doing that has allowed them without Dak Prescott, with all the injuries that they had in the preseason and in a lead-up to the first game of the season, and then in the middle of the first game, you lose your starting quarterback, and you're thinking, oh, no. Because let's not forget, let's not kid ourselves, there was a conversation, at least in Dallas Cowboys circles, of who the backup quarterback was going to be. That was a conversation of who was going to back up Dak Prescott before the year started, and sure enough, just a couple weeks into the season, not even, first game into the season, you had to answer that question, you had to turn to Cooper Rush, and he has excelled in that role. And what I think is so fascinating is we went through the checklist on Monday of the sustainability of all of these three teams in the NFC East. And I think what we're seeing in Philadelphia is sustainable and Dallas, I think, as well, because they're doing it all without their quarterback. And Dak Prescott's ultimately going to come back. Probably feels like next week that primetime game Sunday night against the Eagles feels like the game that they're soft circling. But we'll see. Jerry Jones surely will let us know. He will surely give us the insight into how this is going to go down. We don't have to wait for Mike McCarthy to potentially tell us. We don't have to wait for Adam Schefter. 
Anybody at the Ian Rappaport, anybody in the NFL media to tell us? No, Jerry will tell us. He'll let us know when Dak is ready to go. And you have to feel really good if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. But why? How how has they been able to not miss a beat? How have they been able to continue to be successful on the ground with Tony Pollard and, and Ezekiel Elliott? How have they been able to keep CeeDee Lamb going? Noah Brown has been a huge revelation for this team. They just got Michael Gallup back. How have they been able to just keep this train moving? How have they been able to be 3-1? and one? Now, maybe part of it is because of the soft schedule that they've had and the teams that they have played. They caught Cincinnati when they were still reeling with their offensive line problems. They've played the Giants. They've played the Commanders. Haven't really played the who's who. Their next two games might give us a good inclination of that with the Rams and Eagles, both road games coming up next. But you have to feel really good if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan with the way that this has all started, with the way that this has all gone down for you to start the year. Cooper Rush has come in and at least in Jerry Jones's mind, might have caused a quarterback controversy. What, what was that that Jerry said, that he would walk from Dallas to New York if Cooper Rush played well enough to create a quarterback controversy? Well, Jerry, you may want to get those running shoes, those walking shoes out, because you might have to walk back those comments and maybe take that stroll to New York because Dak Prescott might be handed a 4-1, and one, maybe even 5-1 and one if it takes a little bit football team. And credit where credit is due. Mike McCarthy get, got a lot of flack, rightfully so, for some of the coaching decisions, the time management decisions, the penalties that this team has suffered. But they have been able to weather this storm when you thought that, man, the one player you couldn't lose on offense is Dak Prescott. You've had Tyler Smith, your first-round rookie, be slotted in at left tackle. Hey, kid, why don't you protect the blind side of our quarterbacks? Why don't you step in here and do that? He's done very well in that role. And so you add all of these things together, and you say, man, they've caught all the worst breaks in the world, yet still they here sit at 3-1. and one. So why? How did it happen? How did we get to this point where the Dallas Cowboys are 3-1 and one, and they feel like they have not missed to beat? Well, might be because they changed some things up. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Keith Sanchez of the Draft Network. The Dallas Cowboys are in his region. He turned on the tape. He looked at all of this stuff. He saw what was going on. So we're going to get to the bottom of it with him, see what he saw, ask some questions, and ask the real true question. Is what they're doing sustainable? Can they continue this when Dak Prescott returns to the lineup? Keith, if I would have told you when Dak Prescott went down in the first quarter of that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Cooper Rush would come in, he would be 3-0, and the Dallas Cowboys would be second in the NFC East and have a very realistic chance of ending the year as one of the best teams in all of the National Football League when they get their quarterback back. What would you have said to that? If I, if I told you that that day on Sunday night when they played that game, what would your reaction have been? My reaction would have been no response, Chris Shue, but I would have had no response to you because I don't like responding to things that aren't true. But we're sitting here, and unfortunately for Chris Schubert and myself, that was a true statement. <laughs> so you have Cooper Rush comes into the game. You have all of the injuries that this team has sustained. They have Tyler Smith, their first-round pick, playing left tackle, which is not necessarily where we all thought he should play or was going to need to play when the season began. Uh, this is a very open-ended question for you, Keith. How are they doing this? How is this team 3-1 and one with Dak Prescott on the sidelines? Man, they, they simply got back to the bases, Chris. I, I think when, we, when when Dak Prescott first took over as quarterback, we knew the Dallas Cowboys as a running football team. They like to, you know, move forward. It was a lot of power. It was a lot of, um, you know, just them 
imposing their wills on them their will on on other opponents but you know when they paid Dak Prescott right they got away from that and they started to try to be this high powered uh you know throwing the football around type of football team and with Cooper Rush they got back to the basics man you see these guys they like to punch people in the mouth this offensive line isn't very good right but one thing they can do very well is move forward big guys like to move forward they rather move forward than move backwards so the run game is definitely helping them and I think this helps setting the tone for this entire team. I think the interesting thing, and, and you do the deep dive, and that's why I have you on the show here today, but I think if you look at it and you just did some box score scouting, if you just look at the games from a box score perspective, you look at Cooper Rush, it's not like they're only making him throw the ball 18 to 20 times a game. They're still throwing the ball a decent amount. He's not turning the ball over. C.D. Lamb's still a productive receiver. It's not as if they've completely changed who they are as a football team. They just don't have Dak Prescott. They put Cooper Rush in, and it's basically kind of working the way it's anticipated to work. Let's talk about the running backs first here. We'll get to C.D. Lamb in a second. Going yep. into the season, everybody has made the, the claim of Tony Pollard should get more carries. Tony Pollard should get more carries. He should be the featured back in this offense. We're four games games in they're three and one like I mentioned what do you see when you turn on the tape Tony Pollard Ezekiel Elliott how do you see that breaking down this offense is finally back catered to Ezekiel Elliott. Like I said, when they when the Cowboys transformed and they paid Dak Prescott all of that money, you notice Dak Prescott was in the shotgun a whole lot more, right? And that puts Ezekiel Elliott in a different situation. This is a downhill back. Don't get it confused, right? Like when we think about running backs in the stratosphere of Christian McCaffrey and you know Alvin Kamara and, and Saquon Barkley, like when we watch those guys, we say wow, right? Because they make those wild type of plays. But Ezekiel Elliott, even in his prime, he was just a a downhill thumper that just consistently, you know, he wore defenses out. And so I think they put Ezekiel Elliott back in situations to where he can go downhill, lower his pads, run through some second and third level defenders and, and make plays happen. Um, switching to Tony Pollard, right? They put him in the backfield and we know that Tony Pollard is the, he's the faster, shiftier back. So what are we going to do? We're going to run some outside zone. We're going to get you some handoffs that gets your momentum on the edges because that's where you win that. So they, They've simplified it, but sometimes simplifying things is just doing the right thing. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys, the offensive coordinator, head coach, I know nobody likes to give Mike McCarthy any credit, <laughs> but uh, they get some credit. He gets some credit for me for just simply doing the right thing. No, I tell you, Keith, I did the Monday episode of the pod and I talked about the how the NFC East has a 4-0 team, the last unbeaten in football, and two 3-1 teams. We got to give some credit to the coaching staffs of these teams for what they're doing, specifically Mike McCarthy. Okay, so I hear this. I hear what you're saying. And tell me if I'm wrong if this is the assumption that I take. Dak Prescott gets hurt. Cooper Rush has to take over as the quarterback. Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, they get together and they say, okay, we need to put our players in a position to succeed so that we can help Cooper Rush. And it feels as though they've gotten back to what makes Zeke great. They've they've taken Tony Pollard, who's a complimentary piece, and they say, what makes him great? We're going to do that with him. And oh, by the way, they still have CeeDee Lamb on the outside. It just feels as if where they don't have necessarily a top, in your opinion, a top 12 quarterback in Dak Prescott. We don't have to hash that out here on the podcast. But when you don't have the talent of Dak Prescott under center, let's not ask our quarterback to do too much. Let's rely on the other players that we have and let them carry the load. That's what it feels like to me. Is that that is that what you're saying? That they are just leaning into the talent that they have instead of putting this all on Dak's shoulders? Yeah, and, and shouldn't it be like that for every quarterback, right? What? Like, shouldn't you make it? 
The next question is going to be when Dak comes back, can we just keep this rolling here? So we go ahead. You can go right there if you'd like. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, it, it only makes sense. Like, make things easier for your quarterback. Like, we always see quarterbacks and they try to. The problem is this we give quarterbacks too much credit and too much blame, right? Way too many times that there's a gray area in good quarterback play. And that's the same thing with Dak Prescott, right? The fact that you gave him $150 million, you gave him $150 million based off of what he's done in the past in that specific system. Then now you give him $150 million and now you want to place him in a totally different system, which makes absolutely no sense to me. So for me, I think that they should just continue what they're doing. Run the football. You've been successful. You have Michael Parsons, Trayvon Diggs on the defensive side of the football and just grind out wins. You don't have to do this pretty. Dak Prescott doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Allow him to be the best version of himself and that wins the Dallas Cowboys football games. And let's talk about that defense here, switching gears for just a second, Keith. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator there, flirted with some head coaching jobs in the offseason, ultimately decided to come back. Maybe it's because he has a, a weapon like Micah Parsons at his disposal that he can move all over the place. And we've seen through the first four games how good he's been. But let's talk about this defense because I think it's a large part for why they've been able to win these games because they don't put a lot of pressure on the offense. They don't make Cooper Rush and company have to play 48-45 shootouts like the Detroit Lions have to play in every week. They help their <laughs> offense out. What do you see from the defensive side of the ball? I know you mentioned two players there but there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball that's allowing them to be successful yeah this defense is aggressive um it's an aggressive temperament they, these are guys that are always like the offensive line right the, this defensive line in front seven they're always moving forward and the cowboys you talk about doing smart things they finally did the smart thing Michael Parsons, they put him as an edge rusher. Like everybody can see that you put Michael Parsons on the edge, you might have possibly have like the next Khalil Mack or something like that. So they finally done that. And I think that is it's returning huge dividends. Uh the signing of Anthony Barr and just having another linebacker so that way you can kick Michael Parsons down has been very helpful for this team. But it's one player that stuck out to me, Chris, um, that I want to give some credit for that. I, I I graded him as a very average player, but the first three to four games he's coming in, he's played pretty good football, and that's safety. Donovan Wilson. Uh, mm -hmm. They play this guy in the box. Then in two high looks, he's you know he's that he's a two high safety. He's able to kind of you know just cover from hash to sideline, which the Dallas Cowboys need at times. And then we have cornerback Trayvon Diggs, and he showed you, hey, like I'm still capable of getting all these interceptions. Now why Carson went through that football to Trayvon Diggs on a go ball, nobody knows. That's why Carson went. Is Carson Wentz, right? <laughs> because he decided to do that. But, man, they, they, they have a couple good, reliable pieces on that defensive side of the ball, and they have a great mentality under Dan Quinn. You throw on the tape, and I'll talk about two players that you mentioned right there. You can tell the impact that Michael Parsons being up as an edge rusher on the line, the chaos that it creates for offensive yes. play callers because they just have to, okay – I gotta identify number eleven. He, I got. He can't beat us. I gotta stop him. And you can tell the conflict that it puts the offenses in. And and you mentioned Wilson, man. You throw on the tape. You can see the aggressiveness. You can see the confidence. He's all over the place. And that has been such a huge part of this Cowboys being able to sustain while Dak is out. Okay, we're gonna go back to the offense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question. Dak Prescott not gonna play this week when they play the Rams. The next game that he'll be able to come back for, if his grip's able to to, to be there, he's got a Sunday night showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles. I've already oh, got it circled, man. especially if both teams win this week. We're circling it because you'd have the 5-0 and Eagles and the 4-1 and Cowboys with a returning Dak. Dak comes back into the lineup, whether it's next week or down the road. You look at this Dallas team. Is what they're doing now sustainable when Dak comes back or are they kind of smoking mirroring, mirroring it? 
certainly feels like you're going to tell me that it is sustainable, but it is Jerry Jones. It is the Dallas Cowboys. It is Mike McCarthy. So we have to factor all of this in when we answer this question. <laughs> Man, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know right now because, listen, look at the teams that they've beat, right? They've beat the Bengals, who like everybody wants to give them credit for going to the Super Bowl. But let's be honest about this. This offense has always been Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins sprinkling some flash plays, some, you know, some big time plays, right? So it hasn't been a, a 30 point per game type of offense. And so they beat the Bengals, they beat the Giants, who are overrated to this point. Let's be completely honest about this. And then they beat the Carson Wentz, who would throw the deep ball to Trayvon Diggs, um, led commanders, right? So that's the three teams they beat. Now they're about to get to the tougher part of the schedule with the Rams and the Eagles. So if you ask me if the Cowboys are a smoke and mirror-ish type team, I would lean more towards this. I don't think that they're the, what are they right now, three and one? I don't think that they're the three and one Cowboys. I think they're a lot closer to two and two in an average football team. But we'll quickly find out because we've seen that the Rams team, this team has holes, right? And if the Dallas Cowboys can create that type of dysfunction for that Rams offensive line, then it will give me the buy-in a little bit more. I'm just not buying into the, oppo- the opponents that they've beaten over the past three weeks because I don't grade those teams very high. And I don't know how many answers you're going to get after these two games. They're on the road against the the Rams and the Eagles, but then after it's the Lions, the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Giants again. Certainly some advantageous matchups in there for them moving forward. I'll close with this question for you. I said earlier it, when we started talking that I was going to ask about this guy. There was a lot made of the Cowboys trading Amari Cooper. There was a lot made of the way that they constructed the wide receiver room coming into this season. Michael Gallup just returned this past week for them. They started the year without him. There was a lot made of can C.D. Lamb, without all of this extra talent around him, be a wide receiver one. I don't want to put you on the spot and say 100% yes, 100% no, but four weeks into the season, what have you seen from C.D. Lamb and the way that he's played when it's all it's all him? There's no Amari Cooper now. Michael Gallup just came back. He He is the wide receiver one of this offense, and he hasn't had Dak throwing him the football. What have you seen from him when you throw on the tape? Yeah, I've seen that CeeDee Lamb is the Dallas Cowboys' best receiver, but I I don't know if that means he's a tier one wide receiver in the NFL, right? Um, he, he's a guy, listen, we have those type of guys, right? Like that, they, they aren't physically imposing, but they can find a way to, you can scheme those guys open and they're good route runners. So I think he's a guy that does a really good job of making himself available for the quarterback, understanding zone defenses and finding those holes to make himself available. So for me, I, I think that CeeDee Lamb is a, a really good football player. Um, the compliment of him and Michael Gallup, I think they, they'll work great together and, and I think that it'll be a, uh, if I had the great CD Lamb, I'll probably put him to where I think he'll another thousand around a thousand yard season. So he'll he'll put in a, a solid season of work, but I don't know if you, you know, you think about the height, the Dallas Cowboys, the number 88, and you know what that means. I'm not sure if he's just one of those dominant 15, 1600 yards a season type of wide receiver. Keith, always appreciate it. I think the thing that I've taken away from this conversation is we're going to have to pay very close attention because Cowboys fans probably didn't anticipate their team being three and one with all of the things that have happened, but they're going to get their starting. They're going to get their starting quarterback back. And if it doesn't go as well as it did with Cooper Rush, I, I can't wait to see what Jerry Jones has to say. I can't wait to see what Dallas Cowboys fans have to say. It's going to be must-see TV, and we're going to be glued to our Twitter feed. So I appreciate you giving me giving us some time here on the show to talk about how this team is somehow 3-1 and one so far through four weeks. Big shoe. No problem, baby. Oh, and one more thing. 
That defense, headed up by defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, the second most sacks in the league with 15, the third fewest points per game at 15.5, and four straight opponents, including Tom Brady and Joe Burrow, to a single touchdown. They haven't allowed more than 20 points in a single game this season. So when we look big picture and we think about where this Cowboys season might be able to go and we look at what they've been able to do without Dak Prescott, we need to keep in mind their defense is also holding up their end of the bargain. You add Dak back into the mix, they can stay healthy with this good defense, a schedule that's certainly favorable. Maybe this 3-1 and start for the Dallas Cowboys is just the start of what could be a magical season. That's it for the Wednesday edition of TDN Daily. Talk to everybody tomorrow.